Hey, people. Welcome to the show. This is Live Strat Apartment. I'm Coco. Here with me tonight is Cal. Our host, Mustafa, will be with us as soon as he can. There's been a lot of heat that way. Um, so tonight we're going to be talking about brutality behind bars. We have a guest speaker, which her name is Book. Um, she'll be with us tonight. I'm going to turn the floor over to Kyle, let him bring you up the updates. Um, I'm going to bring us in. Uh, but before we do anything else, Kyle, would you lead us in prayer? Yes, uh, I sure will. Uh, to the uh, almighty creator, uh, we come We come to you on, a, on this thankful night that we're able to come and broadcast to everybody and educate and, and teach as well. Um, thankful for another day. Thankful for another day we get to fight. Um, amongst all the all the wrong that is going on, we 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 still have we still fight live to fight another day. In, in Almighty Creator's name, I pray. Amen. All right. So, um, starting off, um, everybody, of course, it is live and straight out of parchment, and we are talking about brutality behind the bars. Um, Cal. What all do we have tonight for our weekly updates? Are you uh, tonight for our weekly updates. Yeah. Um, uh, tonight within uh, MDOC in the last few weeks, there's there's been quite a bit going on. We've had a, a couple uh, inmates to pass on. Um, and we also had the um, – with in Rankin County at CMCF, they started the um, seminary program for women uh, – Give me a second. I'm trying. It's loading now. Here it is. Uh, oh. What you're trying to look up on it, where it started the 15th is when they announced it, and January the 19th is whenever they started the program? Yes. Um, I had it. 29 of the inaugural. Uh, I, got, I have it that. here. Okay. I have it here. Um, the press release from MDOC states uh, a group of incarcerated women have set, were set, celebrated the beginning of their uh, new journey in a seminary program. Uh, during a ceremony at the oh, yeah. chapel of the CMCF facility, um, uh, the MDOC com- Deputy Commissioner Gary Young presented 23 women with certificates marking the completion of the Experiencing God Discipleship course designed to deepen and understanding their understanding of God and their faith. It is also a requirement for the seminary program within the prison. Um, it started uh, on January 19th, and um, the seminarians will receive training to become inmate religious assistants to assist the chaplains. Um, I, I'm glad to, to see something like this happen within MDOC because there's a lot of negative things that go on and in, a lot of crookedness that goes on within MDOC and something like this is very well needed because they're, they, they're, they're not really doing too much to help us educate uh, ourselves on religion, to, to, to teach us on, on religion or nothing like that. Um. Like a few of the facilities I've been in, you like for inmates that receive good time, they don't even have to show up to the class. So a lot of them don't even go. They just sign a sheet and walk back out, and boom, they get their uh, earn time and stuff. But um, but the uh, the 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 positive side of it is it is it something that's uplifting and it helps helps teach and educate. 
Um, Coco, do you have anything about that you would like to say? About what? The the seminary program. Um, the only thing that I'm saying, only thing about the seminary program is that it is a four year, fully accredited through I'm not if I'm not mistaken through New Orleans, uh, uh Baptist, something another. I, I think that's what it is. Hang on, just one second. It's I know called the New Orleans, Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. Okay, okay. Thank you, thank you, Mustafa. Michael. Michael, I'm I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, that that's Michael. I'm sorry. Michael. Mr. Michael, sorry about that. I guess Mustafa's not going to be on here anymore. I guess we had to change up on him because uh, something happened. But this is our new host, Michael. I'm sorry, you guys. So we've we've had a new cast come about. Uh, please forgive me. I'm so used to saying his name. I kind of miss him a little bit. So I hope he's listening. I hope he got his near field. Yeah, the the M's kind of throw things off. But um, Mr. Michael, how are you doing? I'm so glad that you were able to come and join us and be able to take over this role. It means a lot to us. I'm doing I'm doing well. I'm I'm happy to be here. Uh, take over for a minute, Coco, because uh, I got to do something. Alrighty. Uh, Alrighty. Michael got to do some things. But what I was saying about that about the seminar is actually um, how do I say it? There's 29 to be. It's a 29 member inaugural women's class. It's in a four-year fully accredited seminary program taught through the Level College in New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. It starts Tuesday, January the 19th. I know this is a little bit later, but, you know, we've gotten our updates, and we, this one wasn't presented to us at the time, so we want to let them know it is up and running. It's going. Um, there is four. It's one and only three of its kind in the nation. There, the others is in Louisiana, and there's another one in Georgia. So this is we really have gotten blessed to be able to be one of the three that's actually doing this. Now, Parchment Prison is the one that's doing it for the men uh, for that program. Now, that's been going on since, I think, 2009, and it's the second of five programs in the prison across the nation. Um, so we're very blessed to have that. Um, they have been doing fundraising. As for Coco, I don't mean to interrupt you, but uh, Parsons had that program since 2004. 2004. There you go. Say, whoa, it has been in there a little bit longer. Uh, that's actually five years more longer, ain't it? But they're just, now, they're just now being able, because of Burl Kane, they're just now being able to do what they was designed for. You know, oh, the, okay. old, the old administration has been holding them back for all these years. They did not want... Okay. Uh, you know, preachers inside here. They didn't want none of that. They didn't want inmates helping other inmates. But now it's a whole new administration, and they're trying to get it to get it where you have counselors and all that done by inmates, people who understand the struggle. Right. Well, I appreciate you bringing us up to date on that. That means a lot, especially coming from the ones on the inside themselves. Um Let's see. What else do uh, you have? Okay. Um, I have actually considered uh, joining the program. I haven't I haven't joined it yet, but uh, I'm hoping by next year I'll be in that program. So, Mr. Michael, you're going to actually try to join that program? Yes, that's correct. Well, I hope you will give us updates and stuff like that as it goes about the about the development of it, about what all it is like and all that kind of stuff from the from on the inside point of view not just the outside projection of what they want it to be looking like. 
Um. Anyway, um, continuing with the updates, um, we've had a couple recent deaths within the last few weeks. Um, one, uh, one was in Greene County at uh, South Mississippi Correctional Institute. Um, Timothy Wayne Walters, 61, was pronounced uh, dead uh, at Wesley Medical Center in Hattiesburg. Um, the manner of his death and the cause are pending for an autopsy. Uh, and the, deten the determination is are made by the uh, local coroners for it was in MDOC, um, and then the other the other one which was two of them. Hold on, say my phone crashed out. I apologize. Okay, that right Two state inmates. Uh, have died at an off-site hospital. Um, Alex Jackie Pearson, age 70, uh, died early Thursday morning on, uh, when is this, January 21st uh, at a local hospital in Leakesville. Um, Eric Allen, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing this right, uh, Josephson, uh, 72. That's Eric, that, 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 that's Eric Josephs. Okay, that, okay. Uh, he, was, he, was, he was a good friend of mine. He died from the COVID. Okay, he died from COVID. Okay, okay. Um, yes, uh, they, he passed away. Um, it says uh, the release of the inmate's identi identity was pending the family notification. Um, also have here a chart of the confirmed COVID cases, and which I'm actually surprised with this last release they did. It's actually very low compared to what it was, what it has been. Um, at Mississippi State Penitentiary here, we had oh, 107 since the outbreak, and right now we only have one here at part uh, here in Parchman. Uh, at CMCF, there's been 102 total this year. Uh, but there are currently zero active. Uh, at uh, South Mississippi Correctional Institution, there are two active cases and a total of 395 this year. Um, at East Mississippi Correctional, uh, there's one current case and a total of 41 this year. And that, that's been a total of four active cases currently. And this update they posted was on January 29th when they gave this update on the uh, COVID-19 cases. Um, and then um, on to our, uh, going on to our next top, going on to our main topic for the night, which is brutality behind bars. Um, Y'all, this, this is something very serious. Because uh, the violence behind bars is no different than the violence in everyday society. The only actual difference is the people that actually witness this happen. Many of the guards seem to turn a blind eye to when it comes to dis the disciplining of an incarcerated person. In early 2020, inmates in Mississippi prisons, amongst inmates in Mississippi prisons, there was a rash of violence between them. And then just most recently, within Alabama, the... Uh, some inmates by the names of Robert Earl Council, which is the founder of the Alabama Resistance Movement. <clears throat> um, Daryl Shaw, Ethan Moore, and Wilbert Smith 
which Wilbur Smith, we don't know his uh, current condition, but they were assaulted by guards when they when they uh, when the guards was confronted about the assault of Cat Diamond, an elderly person, in the chow hall at an earlier time. Now, by my research, statistics show that 35% of men incarcerated are physically victimized by guards. 10% of the males are sexually victimized by the very same guards. Um, this doesn't make any sense that we uh -huh. that this happens. You know, Mr. Michael. Uh, 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 Michael, uh, you have something you would like to say on this? Yeah. Uh, you doing good, brother. You, you you go right on ahead doing what you do. Doing okay, all. thank you, thank you. Uh, see, within the department, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just confused. I'm just confused on a few things, but we'll get it straight later on, though. Yes, sir. Um, it doesn't make any sense because there's a grievance system that is in place, but through the steps of a grievance system. By the time it comes around for to go through the court systems, they 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 they'll mark it off as time barred, saying you've ran out of time and stuff like that, just to blow over and cover up any incident that happened. You know, this this doesn't make any sense to, to, for this to even be happening. See, first of all, first that that people that's that, that's the topic of this show tonight. College behind bars. Now, uh, it, you know, we, we've been getting off track. That's what we need to focus on, brutality behind bars. Okay, yeah, you know, there, there, there's a lot of other stuff going on, but that there is the number one issue right there. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it's, everybody seems to uh, get, be getting off topic on this. You know, uh, you know, uh, we, uh, us included. You know, we, we sit here, we talk about other things, and that's good. We need to let the public know everything that's going on. That's a fact, Jack. I agree with that. You know, but uh, this here is a subject that it keep it gets talked about for a minute or two, and then it just you know gets forgotten about for a while. This here is needs to be our main focus is the brutality of the inmates and brutality. It ain't just physical brutality. It's health brutality. It's mental brutality. Look at how many inmates come in this prison system. When they get out, the, fam the families don't even know them hardly because the, the, their psyche is all screwed up. It's because of the bull crap they have to deal with up in here, not not just by the inmates, but by the staff. MDOC, Mississippi Department of Corrections, this is not a place for punishment. You get punished by being taken away from your family. You get punished by not being, being able to go out and do things. They're not here to punish you. Uh, the, the law does that. This place is a place of corrections. It is, it is, it, corrections, it has nothing to do with punishment. Corrections means to correct that which is broken, to correct that which is needs fixing. And they don't do that. In fact, they break you even more. And that, 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 that's what people need to understand. You know, the prison system, it, they, they, they talk all, you know, out the side of their mouth. They say one thing to the public, but up in here it's a whole different ball game. They don't give a flying fuck. You rarely hear me curse, but on this show, but you—they don't give a flying fuck about us. Period. They're actually, you got staff members and uh, administration members just fighting 
Burl Kane on what he's trying to establish within the prison system. They bucking against him. They don't want the change up here. Coco, you have anything you want to say? I completely agree. I believe that straight up that it's been a a total pit of torment and hell and chaos for years and years and years, and no one has wanted to step in, take it on, try to acknowledge it or do anything. They want to push it to the side. They want to sit there and ignore the situations. They want to chip in on it, but then they don't want to do anything about it. Um, Recently, we've had a situation not just only at one place. There's been an older man that even whenever we talk about the brutality about and our the family's not even knowing him, there was this man that was in the, um, I think it was at SMC, SMCI, and he had developed tongue cancer. Someone reached out to me, not yesterday, but the day before yesterday, and saying straight up that he had developed tongue cancer. And the five-month period within his body that he deteriorated was so fast and the fa- and MDOC, they, yes, they did grant him a compassionate release, but the condition that they let him be released on to where it was a now not something that was a blessing to their family but was a burden and a curse to their family, you know? I mean, that's like, yeah, what? That, 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 that is totally, man, that, 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 you know, that, and that happens all the time. It happens every single day up here. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we have a, we have a, uh, we have a uh, caller that would like to speak, uh, Caller, are you there? Is, is the caller on? Well, I I don't know what's going on with this. Uh, evidently, we're having technical difficulties getting her uh, on. Uh, but, uh, um, hello, Miss. Uh, it might be Miss Brooks. Are you there? Yeah, it's Miss Brooke. Are you here? Miss Brooke? I don't know what's going on. Just one second. Are you on? Um, I think that she, I think she's with us. I think she's trying to get her uh, phone situated. Um, she's actually, it's been a blessing. She's here with me tonight. So I had to go get her. She was probably with the kids. Um, Miss Brooke? Yes, I'm here. All right. So I don't know if you guys are aware, we have been dealing with the same type of issues in Ohio. We had an incident in 2020 with someone named Maurice Conyer. He was high on spice. And um, I think it was like five or six corrections officers beat him so bad that they literally beat him into cardiac arrest. And I don't know if you know what cardiac arrest means, but that means your heart stops. So they had to perform CPR on him. This man was put into the hospital. He had to have multiple surgeries. He still needs multiple surgeries. And these correction officers are still working. They deemed it justified. But how is it justified that you got a man that is completely unconscious and you're still beating him? Like, these corrections officers need to be held accountable. If you do this to a person on the streets, you are going to be charged with assault. But these corrections officers, because these men and these women are incarcerated, they hide behind these walls, and they're not held to the same standard. And it's definitely not right. We had another incident that I was just, I don't know too much information about it because they just called me about it today. There's a guy in Ohio in Warren Correctional Institution. He, again, was high on spice. He did assault a female officer, 
the five officers proceeded to beat him to where they broke his jaw, broke his collarbone, and uh, broke his ribs. So he is now, oh, and his forearm. So now he is in the hospital also. When is this going to stop? It's not going to stop until, until they start allowing the media to bring cameras back in, like, in the prison systems. They stop doing that so, so they can hide and, and, and claim, well, uh, the inmates jumped on us, so we, we did what we had to do to prevent them. You know what I'm saying? That's where, that's where the lies come in at. You know, yeah, you, every now and again you do have inmates that will jump on an officer. You do. But nine times out of ten, that officer provoked that inmate, picked at him, picked at him, picked at him. You know, I've seen it over the years, seen it time and time again, you know. And I'm not speaking as an inmate. I'm speaking as a human being. You know what I'm saying? I've seen this. I've witnessed this. I've had it done to me, you know. I've, had my, I've, I've been beat down many, many times over the years by canine officers. By, by, I've, had, I've, I've been handcuffed, laid on the ice and nothing but boxer shorts, laid on the ice outside on the sidewalk for hours at a time with a lieutenant I walk by and put her boot on my neck and just shut and keep and, and hold me down when I'm not when I'm already in a state of submission, freezing freezing to death. You know, I've seen this. They and that's the problem. This place. That's the problem. They, and then 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 they then have a control hole, issue. I went to the hole and was t- and they were putting a re- report that I jumped on the officer and I never even laid hands on the officer. I'm sorry. Right. And the problem is with the correction officers, I've noticed that a lot of them, they've got an ego. And I hate to say it, but I've heard it come out their own mouth. They call inmates animals and say that they can treat them as animals, and that's the way they should be treated. But like you, like you said, you are a human being. You are a person. And I'm sorry, just like it, on the street, if a person walks up to you and says, what do you want, you stupid motherfucker? I mean, you're going to get the same hostile tone back. It ain't no different in prison. But yet, correction officers expect that because you are incarcerated, that you're just going to submit to them. See, correction officers are supposed to address inmates in the same fashion that they expect the inmates to address them. They are supposed to say yes, sir, no, sir to the inmates, just like the inmates are supposed to say yes, sir, no, sir back to them. They, you, you know, they supposed, according to their policy, they are supposed to treat us the way they expect us to treat them, but they don't do that. That's what corrections is about. They are supposed to show us a better way to do things, not teach us, uh, you know, this is how you do things. You, you beat up on people and stuff like that. Uh, go ahead, Brooke. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, no, you're fine. It's just... I don't know. My time within the correction system as a staff member, like, it was sickening. It was sickening to see. It was sickening to, to hear the way that, you know, staff would talk about about people. Like I said, like an actual human being. You're not animals. And I, it was like I could never get that through their head. And like you were saying about canine, canine just feels like they can do whatever the hell they want and there's no consequences. And in Ohio, that's the way the correction officers also feel. They literally feel that they're kings. That is their domain. And they can rule it however they say they see fit. And that is why in Ohio we have a, can- a campaign going currently. Um, 
I forget the name of her organization. Her name is Chastity Bowman. But she has a campaign going right now for correction officers to be held to the same accountability as police officers um, and that they also have to wear body cameras. So in Ohio, we are pushing for body cameras on correction officers because, as we know, yes, there are cameras in, you know, in the prisons, but there is also dead zones. And those officers know where those dead zones are to where they can pull an inmate over there and do what they want to them. Exactly right. And with them body cameras on, they had to be held accountable. Yep. Uh, exactly. Uh, uh, Mr. Kyle, there was something you wanted to say? Yeah. Okay, uh, I don't know what. Oh, there yeah, is. I, I'm sorry. I, I, had, I had the phone on mute. Uh, man, I've, I've, I've witnessed the guards, like when I first came in that uh, system, I witnessed a guard punch my rack partner in the face. Um, um, we was up late, and uh, the ERT came, uh, ERT came through just doing a, a, what they call a security check. And they saw us up, and he was on his bunk, I was on my bunk, and we were, I was sitting on his bunk, and we were playing cards. And they told us, go to sleep. Well, I climb up on my rack. He lays down. The uh, guard goes over and grabs him and pulls him back to the back where the showers were and just started hitting him. And when he came back, his jaw, he ended up going to medical. His jaw was dislocated from him punching him so hard. See, stuff like that happens up here all the time. These guards, they have problems, you know, personal problems out there in the world. They come in, they come to work angry, pissed off already, and they take it out on the inmates here. You know, it's it, it, it just, unless, you are, unless you've actually worked here or been housed here, you have no idea, no inkling. You can't even imagine the shit that goes on in this place. Uh, Coco, there's something you was going to speak on? Yeah, forgive me. I'm trying to catch a bag to eat in between. We've been going so hard the past few days, past week, really, with all of this, with the brutality behind the guards and stuff, and it's really taken it to another level for me personally because, you know, it's, I have family that's behind those bars. You know what I'm saying? I got Michael that's, you know, his family, and I got some other brothers that are on, on this line that we become family, and it bothers me that people are content in their actions that they think that they can just keep on doing and keep on doing, and they have no consequences for their actions. And just like they were saying, they should be accountable for those actions. There should be some transparency. There should be some accountability. Just like the body cameras, they need to be in every facility wherever there's a defender. Because straight up, first time I stepped foot on compound, back in the gap, back in the day, I come in, girl couldn't pay the dope man. Straight up, everybody knows the fact. Couldn't pay the, couldn't pay the dope boy. And guess what? She got a hot curl line of her pussy. I mean, straight up, it is what it is. I, I witnessed with my own eyes. Guard come in, sit there, hit a joint, smoke a cigarette with an inmate, sit on the table, watch them beat her the hell the fuck down, turn around, walk off, next shift come and got her. They left her there. It was seven to eight hours, hours before that girl got any help, and it was only due to the next shift rotation and someone letting them know. That's sickness to know that you're sitting here and you're having to go through this shit, and it doesn't matter what the case may be, and then soon Really? Something like that? I mean, it, it blows my mind, but then it's something that we have to deal with every day is kill or be killed. 
We don't know whether it's coming from, whether it's coming from the outside, whether it's coming from the inside, whether it's coming from whatever way we turn it. Something's got to stop. Something's got to cease to exist. we got to be able to, one of two things, either live in, live in harmony or get, the, or get the hell out. And, and the only other way to do that is get these programs in this, in this facility, make sure that our individuals that are incarcerated get the best care that they possibly can so they can do better for themselves and they can get the hell out so they have the opportunity so they won't come back and structure it on the inside to where whatever means necessary to get the ones that are causing this chaos and control and fucking animosity out and weed it out and so we, the rest of us can do our time and get the hell on down, or they need to get somebody on. Because straight up, what happened at ADOC, man, is ridiculous. What happens at MDOC, man, is ridiculous. There is no sense in any way, shape, or fashion that human beings, that men, that are brothers, sisters, cousins, aunties, uncles, grandpas, whatever. There's no reason for Cat Diamond. I throw his name out there, one of the elders at ADOC, at Donaldson Correction Center. There's no reason whatsoever that old man should have been sitting there in the subject for getting the beating that he did. There's no reason why Robert Earl Council sat there and got the beating or Ethan Moore or sitting there with Wilbur, with Wilbur Smith, which we have know nothing about. Nothing has been even acknowledged about him. Nothing. What the fuck he's at? What the fuck is he doing? Is he okay? Is he alive? You know what I'm saying? Mr. Darrell Shaw. I mean, things like this people need to address every damn day. It shouldn't be let up on. This mother of Mr. Robert Earl straight up could not tell you whether or not her baby was alive or dead. They wouldn't even open it. They wouldn't disclose no information. I understand when you get locked up, bro. I get it. You get locked up. It's supposed to be, you know, within certain stipulations because of privacy and uh, safety precautions and security reasons. I get that. I get it. But there's a big fine line between transparency and doing it things that, that's the way it should be let doing. Me, let me tell you something. Huh? Every, in, every inmate fills out an emergency contact form, okay? When an emergency happens, the, the emergency contact individual that's on that form is supposed to be immediately contacted. Mm-hmm. When I got, when I, many years ago, when I got stabbed up, I was in the hospital for two or three weeks. Okay, I was married at the time. Okay, mm-hmm. my wife never even knew I got stabbed up. I was in a coma you know for what? three weeks. I was in a coma for three weeks. Okay, almost I died a couple of times. I died literally, clinically dead a couple of times. I was paralyzed from the neck down for over a year. My wife didn't even know I got stabbed up until after I got out of the hospital, got back to the prison, and I had a good a good friend of mine that worked at the house, you know, at the clinic. Uh, I had him call, but they gave him my wife's number to call and tell her that I was back at the prison. He called, and she's like, I didn't even know he got stabbed up. Now, what the fuck? Is do they consider an emergency? That's what I want to know. That's what an emergency. That's what the whole point of emergency contact to let families know when their sons, when their daughters, when their husbands, when their whatever gets injured, when they when when, when they get put. An emergency is when you go to the hospital. When if if you go to that hospital, that is an emergency. Family needs to be notified right then and there. MDOC uh, policy is the nursing staff is needs to be brought to light. They need to be enforced. Those if we have to follow protocol, procedure, and chain of command, the guards and staff and methods have to be following the same damn protocols and chain of command. And if it ain't doing it, then guess what? We need to rewrite policy and procedures and chain of command. 
Uh, Coco, uh, Brooke wanted to make uh, Brooke wanted to make a comment on that, but Brooke, Miss Brooke, if you if you hold off on that comment for one minute, we got a couple hands up. Let's take these calls, and then I want to go back and find out what you was talking about on the MBOC policy concerning that. Uh, our first our first caller, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Uh, you made a statement about what an emergency is. I don't think it's, we all know it's not about what an emergency is because we all know what an emergency is. It's about the, them use, the 12 using their power in situations like this, in situations like with more and kinetic justice, you know, and trying to stop the connection with the family, you know, not being able to reach them at the hospital, not being able to find out the information, not being told any information about their loved ones. It's all a power trip. It's all about them controlling the situation. It's all about separation, you know, of family and uh, y'all behind the wall. At the end of the day, it's not about we could rewrite everything, all that we want, but they're still going to use the control and power they have, unfortunately, in their hands in the positions that they're in. So, People know what an emergency is. They know what the fuck an emergency is. You know, unfortunately, it's just their power control at the end of the day. That's just my thoughts. Uh, and, and, I, and I agree with that. I agree with that. It's all about power. They don't want people to know anything. You know, they want to control everything. Uh, we had another caller with uh, the hand up. Caller, are you there? All right. Yeah, I don't want to speak up on the situation about the thing is, see, I'm in a prison. I ain't gonna speak about prison I'm in. But these folks don't care nothing about us inmates in these prison, man. We living in here every day. We can't get no medical attention. We behind these doors now. These count three times from six to six, and they don't even check on us. I be having heart problems, and I tell these folks something wrong my heart. My heart rate be 44, and the, the nurses in here they tell me that's normal, which I know is not normal. But I'm one of the inmates come from uh, apartment 29 when that bank kicked off. How we were living in there, moles on the wall, the ceiling was leaking, it was raining in the building more than it was in, on the outside. And uh, they, they, they won't go out work for three, four days because they had nobody working there. People get stabbed. I've been stabbed about two times about a month ago when I was in Tuck Waller. I got stabbed in the face. They didn't give me no medical attention. Then we had a fight. I got stabbed in the stomach with an ice pick. They didn't do nothing but put a band aid on and took me back on the zone. You know, this, this stuff is crazy, man. We got people in prison for this small stuff, and they're getting killed because of these guards got no control of this prison at all, none whatsoever. They got more women working in prison than anything. There's no man. And, and, and that causes, that causes the mass majority of the problem right there. Yeah, it causes right. a bad, bad problem because the women can talk to the inmates any way they want they to because because they got protection from the organization members. And if somebody messes with her, it, it, yeah, it causes a problem, man. It ain't nothing but a money thing. These folks don't care nothing about us as long as we keep buying their stuff and doing what they want to do. They don't care nothing about us at all. People get jumped on every day, and, and they don't do nothing about it. They, if something be done about it, they just take them and take them to another building and hide them and get them organization members to jump on them. These folks have no control of this prison whatsoever, man. Whatsoever. See, I mean, this, this, this is crazy, this call man. Is correct on, this call is correct on what he's talking about because I myself was affiliated for many years. 
you know, and I used to have, you know, I used to mess around with these females up, uh, up, up here in this prison, you know what I'm saying? And when somebody gave them problems, they come running to me, and I'll have it dealt with. So, yeah, I do know this happens because I've done it myself. That's before I changed my life around and, just, and, and went to seeking for better things. Okay, when I got to see what was really going on, you know, the manipulation that I thought I was doing, it was actually them manipulating me. You know what I'm saying? And, and but yeah, we we speak mm-hmm. a lot on parchment, but it's not just in part. It's it's like that man just got to say it happens all over the state of Mississippi. It happens in all the prisons across the country. So listen, this is the thing though. It, it wasn't your fault. It's just the way you was in because you got survived in this prison the best way you can, and you did what you had to do to survive. You know what I'm saying? This is like. We we are living in a whole new different world here. This is the word that is we think that they send us to prison, we getting rehabilitated. But it's no this is not rehabilitation. This don't do nothing but make people worse. Make us more violent, more vicious. You know, it's like it's like they say that rehabilitating go to school and all that. Yeah, we go to school, get a little bit of education, but some folks still handle us any kind of way they want to. And I'm listen, I got sentenced in two thousand sixteen. For six years soft, 30 for 30. 15 months of my sentence, I went back in court and got two and a half men on a bitch center by a firearm. I went to Rain County, Rain County ran my two and a half men with my six soft and had me, got me doing eight and a half mandatory years. Yeah. I done did, yeah, I'm on my six years now. That's something I don't feel like is right. That's something I don't feel like is right. The judge, the judge sentences you to something and this is how he wants it done. But the MDOC has always, for many, many, many years, decided, well, well this is the way we're going to do it. That's not the way it should be. MDOC is here to fucking rehabilitate you, not tell you how much time you're going to do. That's they, can, they, they cannot rehabilitate us because we, they have no control of the prisons whatsoever. The government don't even care because they got their own things going on. You know, we people, we people listen, this is how I see it, brother. If it's 3,000 people in, 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 in Green County ground, 3,000, each one of them got a daddy. Each one of them got a daddy. That makes 6,000. Each one of them got a mama. That's 9,000. You know, we come, we get these people come together as a family, as a whole. They, we can, they can't do nothing about it. They're they, they going to have to because we we, people got family in the Army. People got family in the police force. They got people running in the uh, government, the uh, center office. And killed them people, and that man, one of them folks went to prison. But you got folks in prison for third DUI or just riding around because they see a white man and a black girl in the car. They want to pull you over, and then they find a gun and blow up and out. No wrong, got done did. I done got eight and a half men that I even mean, got got sentenced for. That's that's it's outrageous, man. It's outrageous. We can't we we got to come together as a nation, as a, as a, as a whole, as one. It's it's, it's no more love. It's, it's no more love in this world at all. Everybody's on hatred. It's all about me, myself, and I, man. You know, there's people out there good, and I appreciate what y'all doing. I really do. And, and we keep doing this, and we, it's going to get stronger. But, man, listen, brother, it's fucked up in here, man. It really is, man. Toys not working like Tom out. Things are messed up. Cracks in the wall. I'm talking to you through a crack in the wall, man, from, my, from the next-door neighbor. Let me use his phone. 
And you know what? And I appreciate that. And I want to tell you and everybody else that's listening that's sitting inside those walls that you are not alone, that you are not by yourself, that you got some fighters out here that are standing up, that are fighting for you and are trying to change things. And we're not going to lay down. We're not going to give up. You got family on your side. That's what this is all about. You tell them oh, real, they want to stand up beside us and write with us that we will stay in hand in hand as positive leaders united in solidarity. We will make this nation a change, a nation full change, because we're the reason why there is change. Because if I can get through the hell that I've been through and go through prison and come out where I'm at today, I know for a fact you can too, because you're not defined by your past. You're defined by what you do right now. Don't let them break you down or make you something that you're not because you are not a monster, because you are not an animal. You are somebody, and I believe in you. You keep your head up, stay prayed up, and know that you are not alone, and you have got an army behind you. You get the rest of your sisters and your brothers and all those that you're talking about that's supposed to stand up and unite, let's get it. Because the only way we're going to change things is if we are that change and we show that. We show that movement. Let's give them something to talk about. Let's give them something that we can set an example for. Let's give them something that people can watch from the future and watch and our kids be able to see that we left something behind. You know what I'm saying? I'm tired of my daughter sitting and telling me, Mama, I was ashamed to have both my family locked up. But now her daddy's doing fair time. We don't know whether he's alive or dead. We don't know if our cousin's alive or dead. We don't know why the people keep on just putting their hands on everybody and think that women can talk reckless. Why there is a freaking woman inside of a male correctional facility to begin with? They can't have no man. There's nothing they but women's hands. Nothing but women's hands. And the males ain't got hands. And I understand that, and I know that for a fact as well. But there needs to be certain protocol procedures and, and conditions for whenever an officer is able to get a job, there needs to be a special training. I don't care if anybody can call me crazy, but to be able to, to differentiate the attitude and body language between someone that's either in trouble, in hurt, that's even mentally unstable or something's just, hey, he talks a whole lot of shit every day, but why that motherfucker ain't talking shit today? Hold up, bro. You okay? Simple words are, are you okay? To humanize a person, I am not 201810. My name is Jacoby Lachey Blast. I go by Coco. I'm not a fucking number. I'm not the, problem, the problem is the you know new officers, they come in, and they're not even supposed to be on their own for a year, but yet they're so short-staffed. They're thrown out there on their own within a month or two, if even that. And so how do you expect them to know how to handle a situation? And a lot of them are young. There's some that's coming in at, like, 19, 20 years old. They need to go through a screening process. Nobody should be on staff if they have not either been had someone incarcerated, been through a certain type of program to be able to acknowledge the, the difference between body language and psychological stress or whatever okay. the case may be. Okay, 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 okay. That's let, a big let, problem. Let, uh, let, 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 oh. let's, let's, uh, let's, uh, we got, you know, we talk, we're kind of talking over each other. Uh, too many oh, people trying to talk to you. Uh, Miss Brooke, uh, you, you were speaking, uh, but uh, I want to finish hearing what you had to say there, and uh, also I want to hear what you was talking about on, uh, the MDOC policy on that emergency contact time. Um, yes, I can't say too much. Um, I will say this. I'm a uh, former I'm MDOC corrections nurse. I know, but other people might not be. Um, I can't say too much, but I do want to tell you the policy on notifying for emergency contacts. 
first off, nursing staff, when you first start there, you are told if a family member calls up there, you do not give them any information. If they ask if their loved one is in the hospital, you do not tell them yes or no. They need to look on the MDOC website, and that's how they will find out if their loved one is in the hospital. Um, the way that you are to be note that family members are to be notified is by the chaplain. So it is at the discretion of the chaplain when and how they notify you of an emergency. And honestly, them going to the hospital, I don't think family is ever really notified unless it is a life-threatening situation where, um, and most of the time that is when it's um, like a chronic condition. It's um, like, for instance, if someone goes to the hospital because they were stabbed and they end up dying from it, they're not, their family's not going to be notified until after they have already passed. But if they've got cancer or something, they do notify the family, and the doctors communicate with the, with the family in regards to that. But in acute situations, they are not going to notify you. I was speaking on my particular uh, experience, you know what I'm saying? Mine was a life and death situation. The doctor, the surgeon told me, when I came out of a coma, that surgeon told me, he said, he said, he said, Mr. Davis, he said, I, I did not, when, when, when they brought you in this hospital, I was on my way out the door to go home. He said, I looked down at you and I saw to keep walking. He said, because there was nowhere I knew I couldn't save you. He said, you're not supposed to be alive right now. You see what I'm saying? Exactly. He said, and then when I did, he said that, that when I did oper- decide to operate on you, you died twice on my operating table. He said, I was, he said then you fell into a coma. He said, I was not expecting you to uh, live with the uh, past two, two or three days. He said, I, I contacted the warden at your prison and told them you'll be dead in two to three days. Well, I was in a coma for three weeks, and my wife never knew about it. That, if that's not an emergency, what the fuck is? No, it definitely is an emergency, but what I'm saying is that was an acute situation. They're going to communicate with family when it's a chronic, like a chronic condition that's ongoing. So, like I said, the person that is going to contact your family first is going to be that chaplain. So, you know, some days the chaplain ain't there. So how's the chaplain going to notify your family but the chaplain ain't even on duty. So that the MDOC's policy in regards to that is so messed up compared to Ohio's. The other problem is in Ohio, we have something called a next of kin. And with a next of kin, you can call in and get information about your loved one. They have to give you information. There are certain information they can withhold from you, but they have to let you know what is going on. If you ask, are they in the infirmary or are they in the hospital, they have to answer yes or no. If you ask, what were their vital signs, they're going to give you the vital signs. MDOC, you call up there, it don't matter if you're the power of attorney, they ain't going to tell you nothing. And the other thing is, this is why I really stress this to everyone, get a medical power of attorney. If they tell you that you cannot have a medical power of attorney, they are lying. You get you your medical power of attorney, you get it notarized, you send it to your loved one, and whatever hospital is closest to the, to the institution that you are at, you take that power of attorney to that hospital and put it on record there. Because even when you come there at the hospital, that hospital is now going to be obligated to contact your power of attorney because that's, their legal, that's the legal rights that they have to do. I think we have a hand up. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, go ahead, uh, caller. Uh, 
Are you there? Well, I don't want to change the subject up, so go ahead and finish discussing this, and I can come back at a later time. Now, uh, you, you can go ahead. That That's what we're about, man. We're, we're, we're about whatever, whatever you want to bring up. Okay. Um, th- I'm not sh- quite sure who, but there's an individual who stated that the prison was there to rehabilitate. That's not I mean, I it sounds that. good. Okay. L- let's just address that real quick. The prison is supposed to help you re- rehabilitate, but we all know, and you guys know more than I do, more than any of us, that that's not what happens, that's not what's going to happen, and that's not what they're trying to make happen. So I just think I wanted to just stress that, that while you're there as, you know, even with the limited resources that you have there, you have to work and re- rehabilitate yourself at the end of the day. You know, don't don't depend on them. Don't depend on um, what they can and cannot provide for you, what they are and are not providing for you. You have to, you know, depend on yourself when it comes to your own rehabilitation. I just wanted to point that out. And, 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 I, and I thank you dearly for that, ma'am. Um, but let, let let me, and I cannot express this enough. Let me, okay, I said earlier that people who has never worked up, up in these prisons or been housed in them, it's hard for them to understand. As far as rehabilitating yourself, that's nearly impossible up in here, especially if your entire life has been based on crime and, and, and living uh, the wrong ways and stuff like that. You, you, you know, and, and, and you know, the, the federal government pays these state prisons for, to run programs. These, these, these state prisons present these program ideas to these federal government. The federal government pays them, funds these programs. But instead of, but instead of these, when they get that money, instead of doing the program, they pocket the money. But they put it on the books that they do the programs. And it's like the A&D program, and them guys in alcohol and drugs, they might go once every two or three weeks, you know, and, you know, the, 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 the most, you know, you go into that building, every one of them laid out on the floor, spotty style, drugged out, you know. It's a joke. It's a joke. That's why they need free world people, contract people that is not under the authority of MDOC. It does not get paid by MDOC itself. They need uh, uh, outside contractors to come in to run these classes, to do these rehabilitation things. You know what I'm saying? That's it. Until that happens, it's not going to change. Uh, Mr. Kyle, you've been quiet for a while. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I didn't know. Go ahead, ma'am. I'm sorry. You know, and as, she, as the lady was saying, that you know what, you know, we have to rehabilitate our But, yes, I agree to a certain we have to be able, the ones that can't be able to rehabilitate ourselves, whenever you be a sick, because people, those few, those fair ones, but it's more than what we think. To get to that point where they're looking up and seeing bottom and they get that sick and tired of being sick and tired of looking fed up and fucking fed up and everything. They get enough, it's going to be enough, and they will do whatever it takes and to better their life situation or whatever outcome. But then there's some that have done it for so long, and they don't know any other way, and they keep on trying and making efforts, but then they keep on falling. Well, the only thing I can say exactly is Exactly right, because they have no one there to teach them how to do it. Because they don't know. There's a lot of guys that's in these streets right now, and I can tell you straight up for a fact, I have lived with one 
because my ex-husband, I still have respect for him, and we've been through some hell for the past months and stuff like that, but I never give up on it. But as far as our relationship goes, we're together. Because you know why? Because his mentality is still stuck in that prison room. He can't differentiate the difference between prison and home and family and street. And that's okay because I still respect him anyway. That's a problem. You know what I mean? Some folks just don't know how. They got to be Exactly right. People, that, that's what I was getting at. Or they want to keep on that, doing the same thing. They don't have any other way to be because they don't know how any other life it is. So how can you exactly take somebody right. from foot out the streets hustling and killing and banging and everything else and all they know is prison and they're comfortable. They have, they are, they are content because that's what they know. That's what they're accustomed to. So you take someone out that environment and throw them in reality and throw them in the real world, they ain't used to that because now they got people rushing up on them in every different direction whenever in prison. It's just like this one spot. Everybody knows. Don't come up in my space. I'm going to come in your space. You'll fuck me. I'm fucking you. That, but that, 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 that's it. That's exactly right. Uh, we got we we've only. That's right. That's right. Uh, we've only got a few minutes left here, and uh, I want to hear from Mr. Kyle on what he thinks about some of this. Second, he's been quiet throughout this show, and uh, I don't like everybody being quiet like this. So, Mr. Kyle, do you have anything you want to say before we get ready to close this out? Yeah, I wanted. I want to talk about earlier, um, Brooke. Um, said something about um, the contacting the chaplains and stuff like that. Um, like when it comes to like, say, a family member passes. Like I'm gonna use this for an example. A fellow that I'm uh, I'm in rotation with, his brother passed away recently. It was about a week or so until the chaplain finally came and told him that his brother had passed away, and. Um, like when uh, last year my mother passed away, and it was 10 days before they even came and pulled me out to tell me anything, that she was in the hospital that and she passed. That same, thing, that same thing happened with me when my dad passed away. Uh, my, when my dad passed away, my, my niece and, my, and all them were trying to get me out for the funeral and all that, but the chaplain didn't come tell me nothing about it until two weeks after the funeral was over with. For real, and, you know, and, and it's mean, crazy really? how they do that. Go, go ahead. I'm uh, sorry, uh, Michael. No, you, that, 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 I, you was talking. I cut you off. Go ahead. And, but, um, like, they, they didn't even let him go to the funeral. They just actually, as a matter of fact, they just, the, they just pulled him out today to tell him that his brother had passed away. They didn't tell him nothing about a funeral or anything. And see, that's what they did with me on my father, you know what I'm saying? They waited two weeks after they buried my dad to tell me about it. And when I called home, my niece my niece was pissed off. My niece won't know what the hell, you know, because she'd been calling trying to get me out to go to the funeral and all that stuff, you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, baby girl, they just told me today. She said, man, we buried, we buried, we buried granddaddy two, uh, two weeks ago. She said, I was calling up there every day. They don't. The MDOC is so, I mean, they just screwed. That, that is lack of communication. It, it, it's lack of everything. Um, uh, it is my understanding we have a lady that's trying to call in. Uh, Coco, uh, what's going on with that? Um, she's in the waiting room from what I understand. I think she's got her hand up or something like that. 
Mr. Kyle, will you check on that, please? If she's there, please okay. uh, connect her in to us real quick, please. Okay. My next question is, I have a question. I want to know about volunteers. Do you, are there volunteers? Are, are you guys able to have volunteers there to come help with classes or to, you know, like a tent, like somebody to follow, you know, to help fill in the schedule so that these men or you or whoever will be able to attend the proper classes in the way that they're supposed to? But see, that's just it, man. We, we, that's what we're talking we're, we're trying to get stuff like that up here, but they don't have that. They say that they got stuff like that, but they don't have that up here. Right, and, but I mean, is there, a, is there a is there a chain of command that we would have to go through to volunteer, or if I had some, you know, I might uh, donate my you own services? You know who you need. Thing. You know who you need to talk to to that, Mr. Burrow Kane. Mr. Burrow Kane. Hey, I love that man. I love what he's trying to do for this place. His place is bucking against him on it. But he, hey, that man, he he wants people to contact okay. him. He wants okay. people to come up with the ideas to help him out with this. Okay, Mr. Burrell Kane. Kane. Mr. Okay. Burrell Kane, he's the commissioner. He's the commissioner of prisons. Okay, commissioner. All right, I'm writing everything down so I can take notes, and then I will I will try to reach out see what I can do. I mean, any help is good help, right? Yes, ma'am, any help. Any help from you. If you can get other people to, to, to call in and, and stuff, you know what I'm saying, and help. Yeah. Any help I can, Yeah, I, I can definitely help. promote this, um, this, um, this whole this whole show, this whole thing, you know, I, I just, this is my first time tuning in and actually listening to the whole thing, and I just was like, wow, just taken back by your stories and stuff, and, um, yeah, did it, they do tours? That's just it, people out, people out in the free world that, here in Mississippi especially, they don't allow the, the, you free world citizens to hear our stories because then it exposes them, and that's why they don't allow cameras or video recorders or anything like that to come into this prison no more. Well, what about They want tours? to keep it secret. Field trips. Ma'am? It's, it's a good educational tool for children and for uh, young adults that might need to realize that they're going down the wrong path and that, you know, this is not where you exactly. want to be. This is not what you want to do. Yes. Yes. Our you know, friend does do tours. They do tours? Huh? Um, Parchman does do tours, yes. They um, used to do field trips there through the schools also. I think with COVID, it's been put on hold, but yes, Parchman definitely does do tours. Great to know, because we homeschool, so that would be actually definitely in our, um, in our, on our list, because it's always a good eye-opener, I think. Well, I will definitely reach out and see what I can do about volunteering and, and, and definitely spread the word about this, uh, that this needs to get out to everybody. Ma'am, I All right, you have a good night. Thanks. Yes. You too. Yes, I appreciate you calling. You yes. really appreciate you calling. In fact, you you can uh, contact us and message us through uh through our site on uh Facebook Live is straight out of parchment. You need any information on anything, you just message uh, message us on there. One of the hosts here will contact you. You know what I'm saying? We'll we'll respond to any messages and questions you have. Um, I hope she heard all that. Uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, I am your new host. I am your new host, Michael Davis. I hope you have enjoyed this show. It, to me, it is the best show we have had on live and straight out of parts when I have 
immensely enjoyed it. I give thanks to uh, our special guest, uh, Miss Brooke, uh, Coco. Uh, before we completely close out, will you uh, close, <clears throat> will you do our prayer for us before we leave? Yes, Father God, we come to you tonight. We thank you for the many blessings that you've stood upon us, even though we're going through hell and chaos around us. We thank you for bringing us together. We thank you for the unity that we have for one another, one another the, the, the understanding that we have for one another, the respect we have for one another. Thank you for bringing us together and closer to you. Thank you for the college that we're able to listen to the walls of Christ. I hope that their message, our message got to be able to go to them to encourage them to bring, bring light to them, to be, give them strength to know that they're not by alone, but not by itself, that they will never be forgotten and they will never be alone. I want to thank God for our hosts, for every, each and every one of them, for touching their minds and bodies and souls, for them to be here tonight. Help us to be able to move forward with everything that we do in a righteous manner and be able to spread the message of what we really want, and that's nothing but unity, protection, understanding, and knowledge, to be able to go throughout these prison systems to the staff, through our communities, and through our legislators, for us to get the true change that we seek and we ask for that we deserve. We're not defined by our past. We're defined by what we do right now. And what we do right now is righteous and important. We need you to be doing for you. So in your precious name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, I, as I said, I'm your new host, uh, Michael Davis. I am the uh, host of Live and Straight Out of Parchment. I am also the spokesman and coordinator of the Plus Party Inside uh, with uh, Coco as co-host and Mr. Cowell as well. And this is live and straight out of Parchment. This has been a Plus Production. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, and Google. We'll be here again. Have a good night. Plus. <laughs>